Hey, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of Breaking Down the Doors, special edition of Breaking Down the Doors, because today we are talking the resignation of Athletics Director Malcolm Turner. I am Adam Sparks, Vanderbilt beat reporter with the Tennessean, and who is with me? Uh, Gentry Estes, sports columnist from the Tennessean. Okay, so there's a lot of angles we can take with this. Again, the news of the day, Malcolm Turner resigns. He'd only been on the job for one year. And outside the box hire, no doubt. And he is out of the box, I guess. Or maybe Vandy has abandoned the box. I'm not sure how to put that. Let me take care of a few housekeeping things right off the bat. Let me give some credit here. And I did this on Twitter earlier today. Chris Lee with VandySports.com had been a guy on Twitter and on that rival site who was pretty ahead of this. He and I have talked off the record, so to speak, for the past two or three weeks about this. And so credit to him. He had been on top of a lot of these rumors that have been flying around. And some Vandy fans that I talked to that I rely on through a Twitter, through DMs as sources on a number of things. We were discussing this last night privately. I wouldn't say I dismissed the idea that Turner could step down, but uh, I certainly didn't. I, I, I softened it a little bit. I, I didn't think this would happen. I, I thought I thought there was some animosity there. There were some things there, but I didn't think it would really, really happen. So maybe a soft apology to those that knew a little better than the beat writer. All that being said, let's let's try to report, let's speculate, but let's speculate a little bit. Gentry, were you surprised? I know you were surprised. Were you shocked this happened? Yeah. Yeah, I was. I mean, I wasn't privy to some of your DMs there. and <laughs> but But I will say that you know, in this business, very little truly shocks you. Like usually you, you have some sense of it and apparently you did, but even though if you, it would be understandable that you didn't put stock in it, even having heard that. The guy had only been in the job barely a year. He had, you know, you go back to the decision with Derek Mason that we, that we talked about at the time. For him to do that and a lot of what he said at that time, we don't want to kick the can down the road, that kind of thing. Those were not the words and actions of a guy who was about to quit. It was a guy who had a lot of plans for what he wanted to do, and I would—I was pretty stunned by it, to be honest. I had just in the last couple of days asked, um, you know, try to set up a sit down with Malcolm. I was supposed to talk with him here in the in the, in the near term about uh, you know big picture Vanderbilt stuff. Well, so, and yeah. that's a little behind the curtain there because um, it was pitched to me by the athletic department within the last week to do a sit down with Malcolm Turner in a year in review, his first year on the job. So media relations was did not know quite as much as some others. Or or I think maybe were a little bit like me. Yeah, there's some problems there, but it's not gonna the guy's not gonna be out of the job. There's gonna be some internal problems they have to fix. Jerry Stackhouse today, the basketball coach, said he had a meeting planned with Malcolm on Thursday, just a routine meeting and then, lo and behold, this morning he gets word that no, no meeting and no AD. So, I think a lot of people, including myself, knew for the past month or so that things were not rosy over there. But for it to get to a point where Malcolm Turner is leaving, whether pushed out or running for the hills, um, that was that that was hard to see. It was for for some. Now, rumor mills sometimes get I think about twenty percent right, uh, but they got this one right. And I, as best I can tell, my initial take is that this has to do with money. Money, direction, vision. 
you know, Malcolm Turner, I remember I asked him some, some of this on the record, but some of it also off the record. I've had breakfast with Malcolm over the past year. We've, we've spoken a number of times about things. And he had told me on and off the record in different ways that uh, I, I would ask him, Malcolm, were you really, really given the okay that what you want to do, you can do? Because what you want to do is not what Vanderbilt has done before. Spending a lot of money, making a lot of bold moves, jumping into things, making things happen quickly within a year or whatever. And uh, he said, absolutely. I was given the assurance I would not take the job unless I was given full assurance that it's going to be different under my administration or in my tenure than it was done before. He did spend quite a bit of money, renovated his own office. People are jumping Jumping at at uh, at that, but that 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 is a fact. When he well, the last time I talked to him about the stadium, I was sitting in his newly renovated office, which is pretty pretty plush compared to what David Williams had. But there were other renovations in McGugan Center. Uh, there were two consulting firms that were hired to to do the strategic plan and the facilities plan. So he had thrown around some money. Now was that too much money for Vandy to spend, or did they renege on what they had said? in saying, we're going to give you the green light to spend a lot of money and do a lot of things. My my initial take on this is I don't think really that differently of Malcolm Turner today, but I feel like Vanderbilt, uh, Vanderbilt is what we thought they were, and that's an inability to change. I think this indicates that. I Well, look, if, he, if he's spending too much money over the course of his job, tell him to quit. I mean, I, I don't. I, I yeah. fail to see how that becomes some sort of deal breaker to where the guy quits. I think it was more. It was clearly more than that from a big picture sense. And what you're saying, I agree with. Is it's there's there's some rumblings going around that he spent beyond authorization. Which again, that kind of gets into the weeds of well, who authorizes it, and how often do they have to do they have to authorize every single nickel spent? Again, it's the it's the culture of. We don't spend money on sports. Okay, we're hiring this guy to spend money on sports. But hold on, did this guy just spend money on sports? <laughs> right. You know, it's a uh, m- more will come out about this. But that's my initial take that you kind of got what you what you paid for to some extent. You're either big time or you're not. Look, I I, I understand, and and to a certain extent, I've always believed it's somewhat admirable that there is a school in the SEC that clearly prioritizes academics. It's not just lip service with Vanderbilt. They've always been that way. But, you know, there's got to be some given that if you really want to be competitive in that conference in the two biggest sports in football, men's basketball, you you have got to be willing to spend a little more. And I think one of the things that might have... that I believe was somewhat encouraging about the decision with Mason, which was not popular at the time, but it at least showed that Malcolm Turner had a vision for what he wanted and what he felt like that program needed, which I agree that program needs it. I mean, if you spend five minutes around Vanderbilt football and you see their locker room and you see what they have versus some of these other palatial setups that you see in other SEC schools, it's not even close. I mean, and there's, I understand that Vanderbilt doesn't want to spend money to be that, but they they don't need to expect to win very many games if they don't want to. Right. Yeah, and it. I mean, the same old Vandy SOV is what's going on Twitter right now, and that's those are old school Vandy fans that are saying, "See, told you again." I know for, I've been on the beat since 2014, and every time I put out something about, listen, here's the facilities plan. 
they're promising a stadium, they're promising this, they're probably promising upgrades, and I would get back, no, buddy, don't, don't hook, line, and sinker, don't take that. And a lot of those people today are saying, told you, told you, it's, progress is not going to happen. The, the frustrating part, I would think, if you're a Vanderbilt fan, it isn't that they can't, it's that they won't. Right. And that's two totally different things. Yeah. And and now I will say on the university release that came out today that officially announced this, um, it led off the first, I don't know, three or four paragraphs with Candace Story Lee will be the interim athletics director. A lot of people around Vanderbilt know Candace. Uh, she was a she has three different degrees from Vandy. She was a, a women's basketball player back in the day, Vanderbilt for life kind of lady. Very capable of being the interim athletics director, and I think capable of being the athletics director. Now, what was weird about the release is that, as I said, it led off with this is a landmark moment in Vanderbilt history. Candace Lee is their new interim athletics director, and she is the first uh, female AD, even though interim, first female AD in Vanderbilt history, a first female African-American AD in SEC history. So there's obvious things to brag about there, to point out. I understand that. But then about the fourth graph, it's, oh, by the way, she's interim AD because our AD that's been here for the last year has resigned. It's so weird of Vandy when they do this kind of stuff. I was on the Paul Feinbaum show earlier today, and I made that observation and said sometimes sometimes Vandy is so smart it's dumb because of the way that they present news. Um, you know, hey, if we just celebrate the fact that Candace Lee, again, very capable of that job, that Candace Lee is our interim athletics director, you won't notice the fact that we've got a dumpster fire in our current AD leaving. It's such a weird place. It's so unlike other SEC schools, sometimes for the better, but sometimes for the worse. And they're going to approach this this position in a weird way, too. They, they have said that Candace Lee is going to continue the strategic plan, which will turn into a facilities plan. And, okay, that's fine, but, but people are not going to buy that there's going to be a lot of progress done when the guy that created that plan is gone. No. And it's going to be awfully hard to raise funds. Yes. Uh, harder than it already was going to be. Um, but, yeah, I noticed in the announcement, too, there was no language of – a national search will begin for Turner's replacement. You, know, you usually see that when an interim is named. Yes. None of that. And it does make you wonder, I mean, is she That tells be- you that it's probably going to be Lee. But again, Vandy is weird. So I don't know. Athletics media relations, they're not weird. They know how to do their job. University, I'm sorry, but they approach releases like this in a very peculiar way. Have I ever, Gentry, have I ever told you, I don't know if I've mentioned on the podcast before, have I ever told you uh, the time that the Board of Trust thought I was uh, I was hiding in the bushes at a meeting? Have I told you this one before? <laughs> no, were you? Just, just, <laughs> no, that was not, just on the topic of how weird and thin-skinned Vanderbilt administration can be. A lot of people uh, would think that I would go to the story of running down Nick Zeppos, the chancellor, and him yelling, anchor down, and running to his car. That's one, but one that I don't think I've told him here before. Back when the when all the hubbub was going on about um, fundraising, it, it, it in a bad way, and not being able to raise funds for the stadium, and a lot of disagreement between university and athletics and the board of trust, there was a board of trust meeting that I did not know about, 
where a number of board of trust meetings thought they saw Adam Sparks taking photos of license plates outside of the on campus. And it was told by multiple people, Adam Sparks is hiding in the bushes. He's jumping out, taking photos of her license plate, which, you know, I mean, who's actually drives their car into town? They're, they're in multiple states. You don't drive your car across country to go to the board of trust meeting. But this was, I was told by a few university people, hey, a, a, just a warning. We're not, you know, trying to be mean here, but just a warning. You need to get permission if you're going to be on campus hiding and taking photos of license plates of board of trust members. And I said, uh, what? We, you were... you <laughs> were, makes you wonder who really was. I know. You, you were... Well, I'm going to get to that. Adam, you were seen. Seen doing... I didn't even know there was a meeting. Uh, I mean, I know you're an honest guy, but you, you, I don't think you're telling the truth. People saw you sneaking around, taking photos. Uh, by the way, who does that? Sneaks around, takes photos. Like I'm going to run them with my FBI sources of whose plate this was. Yeah, but was. you were hiding like you know you didn't, that's right, to, that's you, right. you didn't want them to know you were doing it. But. So, so I asked, <laughs> after I said this a number of times, finally they believed that I had no idea what they were talking about. And what we came to likely know is that who they were seeing was parking attendants. There was a blonde-headed guy who was a parking attendant who was taking photos of license plates because that's their job to hand out tickets on campus. And uh, the hoity-toity board, board of trust members saw a guy taking pictures of plates, and I guess he was blonde-headed, really good-looking guy, I guess. <laughs> what were they talking about? What was, what was the meeting about that they would— It was just a regularly scheduled meeting, but they were flipping out because they thought somebody's trying to— Put a tape recorder in our face or something. Anyway, I say all that to say this. That is weird. Vanderbilt is a weird freaking place. And when it's about athletics, they're really strange. And so when people read the Candace Lee release and say, well, this sounds like absolutely she's the new AD because of the phrasing of this, don't think that they understand all of what they're doing because sometimes the message is not getting through and sometimes they don't know how to communicate a message. And sometimes they don't know how media works, and they don't understand how fans will digest what they're saying. So take it with a grain of salt when you see something from Vanderbilt, because they may not get a clue with some of those things. So you've got an, an interim AD and an interim chancellor. That's not a good— No, that's a lot of interim. Yeah, inter- inter- a lot of important decisions coming up here That's shortly. interim square, I think. I think I'm not. A, I wasn't a math major, but I think that's interim square, and that's that's never a good. That's never not a good when this look. important strategic plan is approaching. Uh, you know it. It and, and look just from an athletic standpoint, this was this wasn't. Things are not great right now anyway. Right. Uh, obviously, the football program's coming off a terrible season. The men's basketball program can't win an SEC game, and I mean you got baseball, but what else do you really have at this point? And that wasn't – neither of those two were going to be quick fixes, football and men's basketball. I, I, and, and I think women's basketball is, is not in the best shape right now. And now, I mean, if let, – let, let's, let's say Candace is the AD, the permanent AD. The, uh, the chancellor – the new chancellor is not here till July 1st. So maybe they're just in a holding pattern till then. Again, it's a weird release that would to send make, out. That would make sense. Actually. That would make sense, but don't put out, you know – a. 700 word release saying this is a new day in Vanderbilt history by new day we mean like three or four months you know so don't do that if it's not Candace Lee but if it is Candace she can implement whatever plan is in place she's very capable again 
I will say if Candace ends up being the permanent AD, this is the board of trust backtracking a little bit and saying, we're going to go back to the norm. The norm was we want somebody who's comfortable, that understands Vanderbilt, and understands that the university runs athletics, and athletics is secondary at best. Not to say that's what Candace would want. She's a former student athlete, but she was the the right-hand person, the number two under David Williams, and that relationship worked fine, and she would be able to work in that relationship. She wouldn't make a lot of bold moves. She wouldn't throw elbows around like I think Malcolm Turner did to some extent. So if it is Candace, it's a back-to-center, back to what we're used to, and I'm not so sure that's a great way to go. Now, Candace may surprise us. You know, it's a it's fine— got, It's got to be her job, though. If you're the interim, yes. you're just not going to do that anyway. Yes. You're not going to feel empowered to do that. But, you know, if she's a permanent choice, then, that, then I think you would see what she would really choose to do in the job. And, and but you it, can't, it would take that, though. She can't—I mean, she can't affect some things that are in place the same way David Williams couldn't affect things. Candace—of uh, what I've dealt with Candace, Candace would be similar to David Williams— but please don't take this the wrong way, but very charismatic in public. Candace is Candace is a great personality. I think she I think the fan base, the ones that don't know her already, would know her very well. David Williams had a lot of strengths, but he was not a people person that got out among among the people. Candace would do that well. I think administratively she would be like David. Charismatic more charismatic outgoing David Williams is, I think, what Candace would be. And maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. You mentioned the different sports. Coaches will. Coaches already love Candace Lee, and they would love Candace Lee if she's in that position, too. So maybe it's the, we can't raise funds, we can't do this, we can't do that, but coaches like her. Tim Corbin likes her quite a bit. You want to make him happy. Jerry Stackhouse today, this was interesting, he said... He's probably had more communication with Candace Lee than he did Malcolm Turner since he took the job. He gave a full-throated endorsement of— So you're talking about the day-to-day yes. operations manager, basically, who's running things, basically. Yes, She's and she can manage things. that department like nobody's business. If that's the priority, then you've, you've got your lady. If you want to go in a very different direction in terms of fundraising and the master plan and facilities and the arms race in the SEC— then you need to go outside the box. They just did that the last year, and apparently it didn't go over well. Apparently not. So, okay, so so let's talk about coaches and sports. You brought that up a second ago. You've got Tim Corbin is fine. I think we can say that on the record. I don't think I think Tim Corbin has nothing to worry about. Uh, just came coming off a national title a second, but the three other major coaches: Derek Mason, Jerry Stackhouse, Stephanie White. Those are in flux a little bit. Um, for different reasons. For different reasons, yes. Derek Mason, you mentioned, uh, he was going to be on kind of shaky ground going into this year anyway. David Williams gave him a uh, contract extension, which put him at, we don't know, but maybe four years, something like that, a year ago, when and then Malcolm Turner inherited that contract. Don't know what the buyout is, but... If Malcolm Turner was here, I think it was going to be a put-up-or-shut-up kind of year for Derek Mason. If it's Candace Lee, he might get a little more slack. Mm. 
Maybe. Um, it, if it's a new AD, I think he has very little slack at all. Because one thing a new AD wants to do that comes into an SEC school is hire a football coach. Yes. So if it's a new AD that's not Candace, Derek Mason, I think, better have a bowl year to keep his job. I think most ADs would have would have fired Mason. I do. La- after last season. Yes. I, I thought it at the time that I thought what Malcolm Turner did was – was a unique move for an AD because most of the time ADs are going to yield to public pressure because that's just how that job is. What I thought to an extent it was, it was again, admirable that Malcolm Turner kind of zigged where I think others would have zagged there. I, he, he had his own vision for what was wrong and how to fix it. I think the news today hints very strongly at what Malcolm Turner viewed as a way to fix it was not flying with some of the administration for the, for the university in terms of how much money this would cost. And see, and that's another, that's another dynamic to this, is that, again, I think Malcolm Turner was spending too much money for what the university wanted. Firing Derek Mason would take a little bit of money, whatever that buyout is. It, the university, if, if they pushed Malcolm Turner out the door because they didn't want to spend a lot of money, they may tell the new AD, Candace or someone else, Hey, listen, you got to keep the football coach another year or so because we don't want to spend the money to pay that buyout. You know, you're kind of juggling two different directions there. It does make you wonder, though, because you have to believe that a lot of the decision makers on the academic side of the university were showing up at these football games and seeing like 50 people in the stands. Yeah. And that usually is the biggest thing when it comes to decisions on whether or not to get rid of coaches at that level of college sports in those sports. When the attendance gets that bad and the interest is that low, that's when you usually see it. Everything, and we said at the time, everything was lining up to where I fully expected a change with that program. And I think a lot of people probably would have if it wasn't for the dynamic of it being Vanderbilt. And I think it was a little different for Vanderbilt than it would have been any other SEC school in that situation. And and, and with football there, Malcolm Turner made the case publicly at least that I don't think Derek Mason is the chief problem with football. We've got to fix facilities and a lot of things in the culture and then give him what he needs to succeed. Do you think he was wrong about that? Uh, I mean, there's a lot of problems. I mean, I think he was just putting it off for a year because you're going to have to sell the program to a new coach. So I think he was saying, eh, I don't really have a good product to sell right now. A year from now, I'll have a plan – that I can say, hey, here's what's going to happen with the locker room and the stadium and all that. I can sell that to a new coach. I need Derek Mason to hold off for a year at least, unless he has a bowl season, but hold off a year, get that in place, and then I'll sell it to the new coach. So I don't know if it was correct or not. I think he was just kind of kicking the can down the road a little bit, and I think the Board of Trust and the administration were perfectly fine with kicking the can down the road, especially since Derek Mason is likable enough that 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 bought him a little bit of time but you know does uh they've got to get that in place and then be able to sell that to a new coach or or do they say Derek Mason is still not the problem the facilities are the problem and are those going to get fixed by the end of next season you know there's a lot of things there's a lot of philosophical questions I think that the board of trust and the new chancellor will have to deal with and I, and I don't I think they had different philosophical views than Malcolm Turner. That's me reading a little bit between the lines. The thing is, Vanderbilt can decide to spend more money at any moment. Sure. And if let's just say they do want to hire a coach who 
a name coach, a guy that they would really have to chase and, and beat out other people to get. They would have to commit to certain things that they would want to spend on their program. Uh, you see that all the time. And with Derek Mason, they don't have to do that necessarily. I think that was what Malcolm Turner wanted to do, but it's going to be fascinating now to see, okay, well, what really happens now? Because, you know, obviously the guy who backed Derek Mason publicly and made such a, a push for those upgrades that he felt like football needed, and I agree, football needs. Um, what happens with that now? And, well, And what happens if they go 2-10? and 10? Then you have to fire him. You, right? you would think so. I would have thought it this last year. Yeah, and I mean, uh, if they had a good team coming back, I would say, well, he can win his way out of that. And he, and, he, and he can, but their team on paper is worse this season than it was last season, yeah. and they were 3-9 and nine last season. I agree. So It's hard to see reasons for optimism at this point. But, you know, the more, the more interesting one to me is actually Jerry Stackhouse because – Again, bold move. He was given the green light, Malcolm Turner was, to fire Bryce Drew. Bryce Drew, a very likable coach, had gone to the NCAA tournament his first year with Kevin Stallings players, had recruited the best recruiting class in school history, and was fired after losing 20 straight games, going over in the SEC. You can make an argument either way whether or not he should have been fired. But Malcolm Turner made that move. He hired Jerry Stackhouse. And Jerry Stackhouse has said, Maybe as intro press conference, I know he told it to me privately at an interview in his office back at the beginning of the season that the the way he put it, I'm paraphrasing here, but Stackhouse said, I had one, I had one school on my list of colleges I would go to, and that was North Carolina. Obviously, he's a, he's a Tar Heel alum. He said that list grew to two schools when Malcolm Turner came to Vanderbilt. He said, the only reason I'm at Vanderbilt is because of my relationship with Malcolm Turner. Well, Malcolm Turner's out the door now. And we asked Jerry Stackhouse about that today. Does that, I asked him, does that change your connection to Vandy? And he said, well, you know, Candace Lee was in every bit of those meetings, and she was part of the plan, and I have a great relationship with her, and I have confidence with her. He said all the right things, but he has a basketball program. As we record this, still has not won an SEC game in almost two years he also lost his best player, like Bryce Drew did, and I don't really see a bright light at the end of that tunnel either. I mean, it's going to take multiple years to fix that program, and the guy that he came here to be with is gone. Is Jerry Stackhouse going to hang on beyond this season? He's going to get some phone calls in this offseason. Do you want to be an NBA assistant? Because there's a job for you. Do you maybe want to be an NBA head coach? He had interviews lined up to be an NBA head coach and became Vanderbilt's coach. And, boy, that would that would wreck this program if they had to go do another coach search, you know, a year after firing Bryce Drew. So Jerry I, Stackhouse did not indicate that was the case, but he, that's what he's supposed I, to say. I don't think that's – I think that's entirely possible. Yeah. I do. I mean, you – you look at, yeah, with what you said with the relationship with, with Malcolm Turner, but also Stackhouse seems like, uh, I, despite the record, I don't think he's done a terrible job this season. I think the guys are still bought in. I still think they're playing hard. They're, they're, there has been some improvement with the, some of the younger players, and I think from a player development standpoint and just being a good coach, I think he is. It's the recruiting aspect. It's all. It's the other parts of this that go along with being a college coach that I just don't know. And and look, that program's going to have to recruit. They don't have enough players right, right. now. And so that's if you're 
it, it is not an easy job to sit there and rebuild a program in the SEC if you don't recruit well. I think he's a good coach with a bad roster. I mean, it's I, I hate to say that, but those, those players are playing as hard as they can. But since Neesmith went out, that's a bad that that roster is worse than last year. Last year's Vanderbilt basketball team would beat this one by about 10, 15 points. And I mean the one at the end of the year. You think so? Yeah, I think so. Uh, that one still had Simi Chateau on it. It had Joe Toy. It had Yanni Wetzel. had Matt Ryan, who could make a couple threes. That was a better roster last year that went over than the current one that they have. It's, yeah, it's, it's 10 points, 15 points difference, I think. Now, you know, in a given night. Now, I say all that, and... Stackhouse's some of his games they performed better this this season than Bryce Trues did last he's year. He's coached him up a little better. And, and I and I say I think he's a good coach because there's too many of the SEC coaches that unsolicited have said they run good schemes. They're well coached. When we prepare for them, it's a it, it it's a hard scout because they know what they're doing offensively. They're just not making shots. They're setting up open shots. It's good schemes. They're just not making shots. Rick Barnes said that. Nate Oates at Alabama said that. Um, others have said that. Unsolicited. It's not asking them. They're just volunteering it with compliments about his coaching and, and what he runs. He has an NBA staff to some extent, so I understand that. I think he's a good coach. I think it's a bad roster. That roster is not going to get really good overnight. can get a little better, but the recruiting aspect is, yeah, what – what you're saying, I think he bought into that. I'm going to do that. But now his boss is gone. And Jerry Stackhouse, if he can get an NBA job, is he really going to go into March and April with an interim athletic director, with an interim chancellor, not knowing who his AD is going to be next season, and say, hey, I can't wait to get to an AAU gym and watch a bunch of 16, 17-year-olds play basketball I made $90 million or whatever it was in the NBA, and I could go have an NBA job, but I really cannot wait to get into an AAU gym. That's, a, it's, not, it's not a good place to be. That's a very fair point. So I'm not saying he's leaving, but I'm saying... it he, wouldn't. It, it, how could it shock you if he did? It, it, you know? Yeah, it wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, and especially now with this move with Malcolm Turner, but also it's you get into this job, and it's, it's no fun to sit there and lose every game. He knows they're overmatched. And he can't do anything about it, really. Right. That right. roster's not – Aaron Neesmith ain't walking through that door, so to speak. He's, he's, he's limping through that door, I guess, right now. <laughs> well, no, Dar- not, Darius Garland isn't walking through That's it, right, you know? that's I mean, right. You know, I mean, it's what they've it, – it's a frustrating part of this losing streak they have. But at the same time, God, you, you got to win one eventually, don't you? I mean, like, yeah. you, you play at Memorial Gym. It's such a home, home court advantage. I, I never understood last year how they go without winning. And, and actually, I think – Having watched the game at Rupp Arena, I mean, they, they had a chance to win that game. Yeah. They really did. And yeah, that doesn't happen. I know Kentucky didn't play well, but th- that doesn't necessarily happen back. I, I think they, they'll get a win or two if they hang in there. They seem to – it matter. It seems to matter to them. And by the end of last season, I don't know how much it mattered to well, them. And Stephanie Watson, if, interesting too, women's basketball. I know people don't pay as much attention to that program as the men's program, but uh, Stephanie came in under the same – at the same time as Bryce Drew. So this is year four for her. Years two and three were the two worst in program history. Year four this year, they're 12 and 10. They're two and six in the SEC. They kind of got a couple of decent wins, but they've got a couple of bad losses. They are competitive now. 
If they can get on a run late in the season, they have an NIT chance, I think. But if they don't, then you're going to say, hey, the best team she's had still isn't very good. Um, so there's there's some wiggle room there, and she can make things better in this uh, in this last, uh, what, month and a half, uh, month of the season. It's, it's going to come down to that, I think, whether or not they can stay above 500 to get an NIT bid. Um, but, you know, if Malcolm Turner was still the AD – um, I think maybe she has a she has a decent chance of keeping her job, but her contract's running down toward the end. Candace Lee, a former Vandy women's basketball player, does she does she have the go ahead to let her go into what I think would be a lame duck year? I think she'd have one season left on her contract, or do you give her a one year extension so she can recruit, or do you let her go and then you have an interim AD hiring? A women's basketball coach, which is not what you want to do. It's 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 a little shaky for for Stephanie too. I, I like her chances of returning because I think I think Vandy's take is usually let's not change, let's keep everything as it is and just get to the next year, which is what they did with Derek Mason. I would think Stephanie would feel a little better right now of her chances than she did before, but I, but I don't know. That's 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 maybe a Candace Lee call if they even let her have that call. Let me ask you this partly for, for just my own curiosity, but outside of baseball, what other sports, what's, what else is Vandy good at? Uh, women's tennis is a national title contender okay. some years. Men's golf is a national title contender the last few years. Women's bowling has won national titles. Uh, women's golf is very competitive. It's a top 10, top 20 program. Track has been good different years. Cross country has been, has, has, is ranked now. So the I'm probably forgetting somebody, but uh, non-revenue sports, Vandy is really, really good. Okay, well then why why would those sports be different from football, men's basketball, women's basketball? Those are sports where you recruit to facilities a lot more, I would imagine. Yeah, being non-revenue sports, there's not as much competition there. Revenue, you know, non-revenue sports. What Vandy spends on women's tennis is not that different, I would imagine, than what other SEC schools spend on women's tennis. You know, and you may be talking about, you know, a million dollars versus a million and a half dollars. Let's just just, just throwing out numbers. Where football, it may be, well, one spends a hundred million dollars and the other one spends fifteen million dollars. You know, the gap is so much bigger, I think, with the revenue sports. And so I think Vandy has a hard time competing there for a number of reasons. You know, people freak out about the SEC revenue thing. It's $45.3 million, I think, this year is what Vandy gets from the SEC revenue sharing. A lot of that goes to scholarships, which are cost of attendance is, I think, like 70000 per year per student athlete. There, there is that at Vanderbilt. Some of the budget that goes into, for a lot of SEC schools, I think that's surplus. Hey, we got our check for $45 million. What are we going to spend it on? Where Vandy is like, thank goodness that $45 million check came in because we got some bills to pay because we're not about to pull out of the university fund to fully fund athletics. We get a check every year from the SEC. Why would we spend beyond that? So there's some gray area in there. But again, I think Malcolm Turner probably pushed a little bit more to have more money churned into there. Do you think this is a matter of him being pushed out or a matter of him becoming frustrated enough to quit? I think he was uh, a little of both. I think he was was frustrated. 
Um, I think he was pushed a little bit, and I'll say again, I'm not reporting this, but Rivals.com, Chris Lee that I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, I know he had reported that Malcolm Turner was looking elsewhere. FIBA was one possibility that he he threw out there. I mean, his background with pro sports, the NBA, that would certainly make sense. You know, if you if you find out the the boss is looking for uh, looking for another job elsewhere, sometimes you say, "Hey, you may need to go. Why are you looking elsewhere?" So I'm not saying that's what happened. That's been reported elsewhere. It certainly would make sense. Vanderbilt is really good at these. Hey, the guy wasn't fired. He just resigned. You know, that's happened to many coaches before. Nobody ever gets fired at Vanderbilt. They always just, you know, agree to to separate. And that's, you know, Malcolm Turner was quoted in the university release today. So that's certainly the look that they're putting on it. I mean, his last quote in the university release was, thank you. <laughs> okay. Well, and he wants to spend more time with his family. That's right. That, that's, you know, that's how it always is. I want to spend more time with my family, too. But I end up doing a podcast on a Tuesday afternoon with a with a head cold and but this is fun. This is this is never I, never a dull moment over on West. No, hey, basketball right? was not really uh, was not really bringing people to the site all that much. So Vandy did us a favor and said, "Hey, we got some news here." So hey, it's, it's just it's just helping the media cycle. Can't take your eye off them for too long. That's right. Yep. So, so, uh, so Vandy basketball this week, LSU, Mississippi State, um, signing day is Wednesday. Vandy is going to sign, I think, between four and six players. Those are all about three stars. I've mentioned so before. I guess Derek Mason will get asked tomorrow about this. Yes. We asked Jerry Stackhouse today. I told you what he said. And then Derek Mason will get asked tomorrow. As we record this podcast, there is a possibility that Candace uh, Lee may be made available in the not-too-distant future. You'd be interested to see what she says about how she takes that interim tag, if she thinks that's long-term or not. Um, so, uh, when that happens, we will bring you that news on Tennessean.com. That does it for this edition of Breaking Down the Doors. We hope you'll subscribe to Tennessean.com if you haven't already. And remember to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever it is you get your podcast. And drop us a review and a rating while you're at it. For Gentry Estes, I'm Adam Sparks. We'll talk to you next time.